we have a guest today. An amazing guest. I'm so excited. Our first guest of 2023. And, you know, we start as, I mean, we're just starting at the top. Everybody, those were the dulcet tones of Kate Claiborne. You are, if you're a long-term listener of the pod, have heard her here before talking about Derek Craven, talking about her books, talking about whatever crazy things we lure her into talking about. I bit seven times. Lucky number seven. Yeah. If this was a marriage, you'd be ready to break up with us. Yeah. Don't forget the sick bed. I'll never break up with you guys. <laughs> it's right. The sick bed episode where you actually co-hosted, you pinch hit. Yeah. When Sarah was probably had COVID. Probably had COVID. I'm a devoted, faded mate, hanger on is what I am. <laughs> faded triad. Here we are. <laughs> there, perfect. I love it. Uh, welcome to Faded Mates, everyone. I'm Jennifer Prokop, a romance reader and editor. I'm Sarah McLean. I read romances and I write them. And today we are here with one of our very, very favorite people and one of our very, very favorite authors, Kate Claiborne. Welcome, Kate. Bye, everyone. I'm very excited. We're moving everything out of the text box just for the next hour. Yes. Raw, unfiltered. The text box will be quiet. (laughs) Vika. Do not leave me punches window. Yeah, and then for the rest of the day, the text box will be probably me texting like, "Did I say anything weird during that?" <laughs> <laughs> and you guys and not reassuring me, hopefully saying so much weird stuff. Yeah, we can't wait to release that episode. <laughs> it's gonna be fantastic. And Kate, the reason you are here with us today is because yesterday. Your newest book, Georgie All Alone, came out, and we want to hear all about it. Yeah, That's right. Cue wild applause. Yes. <laughs> I'm very excited. Um, when you were talking, it, like, took me a minute to think. I was like, what am I doing here? <laughs> <laughs> That's the headspace I'm in right now. But, yes, Georgie is out in the world, officially. And so we excited. love it. We, we do love it. We, it might be my favorite cake clip. It might be my favorite Kate book. I need to think about it. It's sure. It's one or two, I think. Oh, my It's really goodness. way up there. It's what an honor. Already on the best of the year list here at Fade of Mates. Oh, boy. Guaranteed. I am honored. Uh, it is a very special book to me. Well, we're going to talk all about why. In fact, why don't we do that now? Seems like okay. what a transition. Seems like the appropriate next transition. <laughs> so tell us about Georgie, Kate. So, Georgie is my uh, tribute to kind of small-town romance, but also homecoming romance, kind of coming home to a small town, which is a subgenre that I like a lot or that I gravitate toward when I read. Um, And it's also uh, the book where I really wanted to write a messy heroine, which... Um, that does, that honestly does not feel like it is my ministry. I'm going to (laughs) be really stressed. So, so writing this book challenged me a lot. And I think of all the books I've ever written, I, I think I learned the most from Georgie. So she's really special to me as a character. Yeah. I think that's so interesting that you, that you bring that piece up because, I mean, anybody who knows you knows that, like, mess is not 
<laughs> it's not a Kate. Kate Claiborne. does not like mess. <laughs> Kate does not like mess. I don't love mess. <laughs> <laughs> in like any of its forms, like a true Virgo. In fact, I believe we did. I did Kate's chart once, and she's a double Virgo, which might actually be more information than Kate would <laughs> like you to have. <laughs> I am a double Virgo. It's okay. <laughs> You know, I don't think, I think probably most people within 10 minutes of meeting me would be able to tell. A double Virgo. <laughs> How surprising. Um, and so I want to talk, but I want to talk about this because as a writer, I think a lot about, you know, obviously you think a lot about characters when you write books, um, but it isn't very common, I think, for us to write characters who are so different from ourselves. Like, I often think like, oh, I write heroines who are aspirational for me, right? Like, I wish I was more like that person. Um, but they, it almost feels like there's always like a seed of like writing into my own like personality in a lot of ways. Can you talk more about like, how do you craft a character who is so different? Not aspirational you? for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think one way I did it was... I have, I think, a couple of, like, anecdotes about this in terms of the writing process that might help sort of understand it. One is that um, when I was writing Georgie, I think part of what I had to do was write about the things that I, like, fear in myself or Um. try to suppress in myself. So, you know, like, Georgie does embrace uh, more chaos than I do in in my life, right? So um, one of the things I had to do was like think a lot about the things that I don't allow to happen in my life. <laughs> um, you know, uh, I would never pack my stuff up in garbage bags like Georgie does in the first scene of the book. Um, so it's like thinking a lot about things that, you know, you would never leave one job before you had another lined up. Yes, that's right. <laughs> so, like, thinking about things that I wouldn't do and sort of trying to explore, like, trying to put myself in those situations, like, imagine what they would feel like. Um, and every time I would find it difficult, you know, I it's like I had a uh, Lauren Billings of Christina Lauren. She and I were texting a lot uh, during the time I was writing it, and she'd be like, just, like, lean in, lean into it. Um and I had to, like, really try. I had to think a lot about how Georgie would be in certain situations because it is different from how I would be in almost every situation. And then the other thing I would say is that when I was, like, early in the writing process and I felt like I kind of hit a wall and was like, oh, I just don't know if I'm if I'm getting this character right... Um, I called my editor, uh, Essie Soga, uh, who's my editor for this book, and I told her I was having a really hard time, told her where I was sort of stumbling, and she said she wanted me to open a new document, um, and she wanted me to title it, Georgie Mulcahy is a mess. (laughs) And that meant, like, abandoning my little Scrivener document with all my chapter divisions (laughs) and... uh, (laughs) All this stuff, and and just like start a fresh word document and write what that uh, would be. Um, and those two things were really helpful to me, like just helping me em- embrace mess, even in my writing process, a little bit more than I normally do. So Georgie is coming home 
to her hometown. Her parents still live there. Off of a, like, a pretty interesting career path, which is that she's been working in Hollywood as an assistant Mm -hmm. for someone who she likes. It was not a bad job. She actually was really great at it because she could embrace sort of how chaotic and messy and how many different things she was doing. Mm -hmm. Um, But... Now she's back home, and it's sort of—she's really at sea. And I think the thing that's interesting is how she comes to find herself again is by reconnecting with something she was writing with her best friend when she was a teenager. Yeah, so do you want to talk about why the that notebook was so important? I can't remember. The fan? Yeah, it? she has a— what? what's called like a friend fix. So she and her friend used to pass this notebook back and forth and they would write in it. They they started it when they were like in middle school, like right on the cusp of starting high school. And they would pass it back and forth and put in there like all the things they imagined themselves doing in high school. Um, And I know some people are going to read that and be like, this is really weird, but I want you to know (laughs) that I had one of these notebooks. Um, I did not write about, like, my dreams for high school. My friends and I wrote about, like, the celebrities we were going to end up marrying, Uh (laughs) which is more embarrassing. No, that's perfect. That's exactly what I want. Um, But, I mean, that's kind of what our text book is now. Like, right? We're like, this guy's very handsome. The only difference is that Killian Murphy didn't exist when Kate was in high school. That's right. You know what? If he had, I probably would have turned out very different. (laughs) Um, anyway, so, uh, I liked the idea of, you know what, this is maybe like, this is probably like more personal than I would typically share, but I had that friend fic in my possession, um, for many, many years and I shredded it, um, because I tend to do that, right? Like, I, I don't like mess, right? I'm like, what do I need this for? Also, this is like... So no one can ever, like, yeah, I don't want like no one can ever see like it. Jane Austen's right. letters. Yeah, it's just like, like this, is, this is an embarrassing record of how I felt about speed. Like, let me... <laughs> like, I don't have it anymore, right? Um, but Georgie would never do that, right? Like, Georgie no. would find something like that and be like, this is amazing, <laughs> right? Um and so, in, in some ways, like, thinking about that uh, record of something I didn't keep let me think about, you yeah. know, Georgie as a character. That's really interesting. I, I did, You've never said that. I didn't know this story. And um, I have, rec- I recently, we moved recently, and I found a box in, like, on a high shelf that I had been moving from apartment to apartment to apartment uh, over 20 years. And I discovered that inside of this box were were all of my diaries from, like, middle school. And I sat down with them and I opened them all up. And, like, middle school age, Jen can attest to this, middle school age girls are just completely, like... (laughs) Uh, unearthly like they're not they're not of this plane (laughs) and as you read every page of these diaries you're like oh this is like deeply unhinged like all of this but I did save them all because I was like you know what someday my daughter is also going to be unhinged and I'm going to say let me show you right this was so you are uh, not alone. <laughs> this is yeah. interesting. This, this is confession time. I kept diaries in college, and 
in the past five years, maybe found them and I opened them up and was like, oh no, thank you. And I did. I I got rid of them all. You got yeah, rid of them. I did. I mean, did you shred them or set them on fire? No, I think <laughs> I just threw them away. Um, and what? I just, yeah, I did. I just felt like even worse, someone might find them. <laughs> you know what it was? It, and this is, I think, the part that's like interesting and different than like me and Georgie is like, in particular, I was reading this one section by diary. There's this guy I was really in love with when I was a senior in college. And I, um, my friend Sean, I was like talking a lot about how like I felt like Sean was always trying to get in between me and Paul. And like, like, I didn't realize Sean was gay. Like, I don't know how. And I'm like, well, I think Sean probably liked Paul, too. <laughs> like, And I just was so embarrassed by how, like, oblivious I was. You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't comforting. It wasn't something like I want to go back to being this person, which is, I think, what Georgie feels. Like, you know, who was this person? I'm interested in this person. I was just like, thank God I'm not that person mm-hmm. anymore. And I'm going to go ahead and just move on from that. Mm-hmm. So I literally was like, click. And goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that that's the, that's the beauty of the homecoming romance, which right. is what yeah. we're all here to talk about, right? Because I think in many ways it's easier to face those documents of your youth where you were maybe messier than you would like to be when you are not also home. You know, that's home, pretty fascinating. Yeah. In the place with yeah. the people, in many cases, the space that you were in when those documents were were mm. relevant. And I think yeah. um the beauty of the homecoming romance is the reckoning with who you were and who you right. are. And right. that's what Georgie does so well. Um who you thought you were, who you thought you would become, who the world thought you were, the whole, the whole nine. Yeah, and I think, I think that's very, um, you know, Georgie, when she comes home, I think she is surrounded by people who remember her from, you know, her, her youth and adolescence, sort of like our messiest, some of our messiest times, um, and they remember her as like flaky um or right. you know like not great at school um or kind of inconsistent and you know m- most people don't let her forget it um and i think that's that that is something i also really love about homecoming romances right like this when you show up the stuff that you are carrying with you that you maybe were allowed to forget about while you were gone. Right. You have uh, to open that garbage bag. Yeah. Right. Well, I think the thing, though, that's also really interesting, because we haven't talked about Levi at all, is that he is carrying his own baggage around mm-hmm. about who he was supposed to be or who people think he still is. And so, but he doesn't have, like, that, he doesn't have, like, the warmth and kindness, right? Or, or any way of even seeing like himself like that even really and so he's it's like a it's also really interesting how they're an echo of each other in that way like who how do I be the person I can still become if I can't really reckon with the person that I was or the things that happened or the way my family treated me or the way I treated them and I think that's the part that's also really interesting and is that she finds someone who has a similar struggle. Yeah, I think both of them believe 
the worst version of their reputation around yes. town. Okay. Um, like deep down, both of them believe it. And they are both sort of like haunted by it in, in different ways, right? Like um, the, I think between Georgie and Levi, sort of the seriousness of their reputations is different and things like that. But yeah, they connect through that. Um, and that was interesting to write too, because a lot of times, you know, like when you're writing a romance, a lot of times what you're doing is you're putting your two characters in opposition to each other. Yes. And I know lots of people will say, oh, well, Georgie and Levi are sort of grumpy sunshine. Um, and like, that's the opposition. But but really, like, I wrote a romance where these two people have something, like, have a deep understanding of each other. You From know, what's in common. Yeah. Yeah. So we really specifically kicked around, like, is this a small town romance episode or is this like a homecoming episode? And I think they have a, I think they're in conversation with with each other, but I don't think they're the same thing at all, right? Because homecoming, you can come home in lots of different ways. Yeah. I do think that the small town romance is almost always a homecoming romance in some ways, too. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. Don't you think so? I guess, I guess, in I guess, like in theory, sure, because it's always about yourself in relationship. It's this community question, right? Like, who are you? One of the questions that I'm, you know, so interested in as a reader, especially, you know, it in all romance, is this sense of like, who are you in relationship to? Who are you perceived to be versus who you perceive yourself to be versus like who you really are in the world? And I think. Um, the hallmark of the small town romance is, of course, community. And so I guess you do always have to come home in a small town romance, even if it's just like the veterinarian meets the local waitress. Well, or even if someone's like new to the town, they're not coming home. They're still like finding their place in it. I don't know. Like it's no, I, I'm just you're I think you're right in a like sort of broad sense. Yeah. Whereas I feel like when people instead it's like I go to the big city. Those are, right, like, I'm trying to find myself, like, absent of community almost. Like, I'm in a vacuum. Like, who am I? Who do, Like, it's, like, pure, I don't know. It's really interesting. I don't think you can ever divorce the small town from the romance in a small town romance. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. I mean, I've been thinking a lot about um, Georgie as, like, a small town romance. Like, there were reasons why I set Georgie in this like fictionalized version of kind of a, a Chesapeake Bay sort of river town. Um, but I don't know if the reasons were just that, like, that's how it felt right to write a homecoming romance. But I mean, the truth is, I've written big city romances that I have tried to make feel like a small town. Yeah. The last book felt. Small town romance. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. You know, to like use Sarah's word, community is like the, right, that's the through line. But what I will say is like, um, the last book is Love It First, everyone. And it's set in Chicago and it's beautiful. And we've talked about that. We'll put links in show notes. One thing that the setting did offer me was like, um, I guess a more sort of intense, like, microscope feeling in terms of how the characters feel about people around town seeing them. I mean, that can happen when you are from a 
suburb or when you're from it a city. It feels different, to... though. Like, there is an, anon- an, 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 an oh. anonymity. Thank you. I'm like, I know words. <laughs> I got you. Right? <laughs> Where it just doesn't feel the same yeah. in, a, in no matter what. Right. In the city. I also think, though, Kate, the other thing I found myself thinking, though, was like, and I know you and I have talked about this, is there's also the absence of, like, big money. Yeah. Right? Like, this is a town full of working class people and even though Levi's family has money it's not like billionaire romance money right you know it's and I think like that was the other thing is like the book itself feels very um like normal right because like, it's just people you know yeah yeah and people you want to know I mean all the characters are so beautiful in this book in the sense that like even the difficult characters are really relatable <laughs> I mean, we we know all these people, we've spent time with all these people, and suddenly we're able to see these people in our lives in a different way, I think, through the lens of this book. Um, like, I adore Georgie's relationship with her best friend, mm-hmm. um, who is pregnant, and Georgie, you know, tells herself she's coming home to help. Like, to mm-hmm. this will be the thing. I mean, she's been a, a celebrity assistant. She's very good at that job for all the reasons that you already said, Kate. And she gets home and she's sort of ready to have purpose through this lens of, like, who she has been. And suddenly she realizes, like, oh, (laughs) but I'm not needed here the way I was expecting. Her best friend is not a mess. (laughs) Um, And I really loved writing, like, a a best friendship like theirs that, like, began in childhood. Like, I'm very lucky to have a childhood best friend. And the way she and I relate to each other is, I mean, it's just, it's so sort of special and different. And it's, like, very um, intimate in some ways because they've seen you at so many different stages of your life. And they know these, like, core things about you that were there when you were, like, eight years old. Um, and Georgie and her best friend are like that. And I, I loved writing their relationship too. And I, every, every relationship in the book, I think, makes Georgie and Levi's coming together feel sweeter. I mean, like, that was the goal. This week's episode of Faded Mates is sponsored by Lillian Lark, author of Deceived by the Gargoyles, which is a standalone romance in the Monstrous Matches series. Here's what I'm for, Jen. <laughs> Are you ready? I am ready. Grace, a curvy librarian witch, has a family who sounds pretty terrible. They judge her. They don't like the kind of magic she has. They don't like how she looks. And Grace doesn't want this family. She wants a family of her own that she can love and that will love her back, that she can grow old and happy with. And so she goes to a magic matchmaker, and she gives that matchmaker a list of all the qualities she's looking for in the perfect mate. This matchmaker delivers her Elliot Bramblewick, a very good-looking gargoyle. And all of it is fine until Grace realizes, or maybe, and then Grace (laughs) realizes, uh, Elliot has two other gargoyle mates. She's a lucky woman. I think this is He hasn't told any of them about each other. Oh. I mean, he's told the two the two other ones know about him, but she doesn't know. So this book is all about how these three become four, and he takes her back to his gargoyle lair, and they, you know, 
show her the business. And find love, because that's how romance works. So this book is for anyone who has a little bit of a breeding kink, anyone who loves nodding, uh, anyone who's looking for monster romances and polyamorous romances. I'm told swords do, in fact, cross here. and <laughs> That's really all you need to know. It sounds pretty great. Am I downloading it now? Yes, I am. If you were interested, you can find out more by following Lillian on Instagram at author.lillian.lark. And Deceived by the Gargoyles is available in print, ebook, and on KU. Thanks to Lillian for sponsoring this week's episode of Faded Mates. Like it felt to me like there, like especially for Levi, it's also about acceptance. And I think not just like accepting himself or whatever, but you know, like accepting that he has a place that can be different, but also really like. I don't know, like, letting go of the comfort of also having, like, a certain reputation, right? Like, if you're just who Levi is to the people in this town, right? If you're just a flake like Georgie is and someone who kind of doesn't really get things done and, is, you know, getting past that is also a little scary. Like, there's comfort in inhabiting those rules that people make for you. And I thought that was the other thing that really... One of the things I think is, like, a real hallmark of your books, Kate, is, like, you think you know where it's going, and then, like, when they have, like, the big, like, fight, you're kind of like, oh, shit, <laughs> right? Like, you know what I mean? Like, oh, of course it was going to kind of be this way. It just watching people, like, just run right into that wall that, like, surrounds them. And I think that's the part about homecoming romances in particular, maybe more than small town, is... It's really, like, it's so internal. Yeah. I mean, the theme, like, I I've said this before. I don't know if I've said it on the pod, but, like, I generally write to theme. Like, I have a theme in mind. Like, the theme in this book was reputation. Like, I kept wanting to come back to it, right? And you're exactly right. The, the relationship you have with your reputation, um, it, I mean, it's different, right? So, you're right. Like, Levi clings to his reputation because in some ways it allows him to live his life in a in a pretty sort of small and contained way. Um, he is, it, whether he knows it or not, he's, like, grown comfortable with the reputation he has. And for Georgie, it's like that reputation feels like a straitjacket in some way. She wants to, she wants people to think of her a different way, she thinks, right? So... Yeah, I, I I guess I wanted to, and and other characters in the book have their reputations too, like in sort of smaller and more subtle ways. But I just wanted to explore, yeah, what it's like to carry that around with you. Yeah, um, and I mean, all of us walk around with them, right? Yeah, for so, sure. Yeah, and I do think that's a real feature of the homecoming romance. So, Sarah, you've been holding up some yes sarah has a graph yeah. i did homework i i feel like i i really outdid myself today yeah is what we're talking about fit in with your little theory over there take us to school sarah okay well i as you all know i when we come up when we decide all right we're going to do an interstitial on this particular trope i'm always like all right well what's the promise of the premise like when i'm reading when I'm looking for, like, the perfect homecoming romance, like, what is it for me that really, like, scratches the itch? And so I sat down and I made a big list, and there are tons. I, I didn't realize that this is probably one of my favorite tropes. Like, and I, I never think about it, but I really love a book where somebody comes back. 
And I love a book, I off, I love a book where somebody comes back in a lot of different ways. And so um, what I realized is there is a continuum. There is an X, Y axis. And then right oh my God. before I started, I got on the podcast I went to record, I was like, there might be a Z axis to access Listen, to. I love it when we make it mathy. I'm going to take a picture so everybody <laughs> can look. So you can't see, but this is my axis. And I've plotted all of the books that I was thinking about. Oh, and what I'll Joseph read for Campbell everyone. shit over here. <laughs> <laughs> the heroine's journey home. Listen. So on the one side, so I feel like you either return defeated from defeated yes. to triumphant. Yeah, right? yes. nice. I would agree. Yeah. So that's the the what is it X across that when and you then, get home you're defeated. Right. Right. You come What's, home like having lost having, your job, yeah, lost yeah. your dog, yeah, lost yeah. your house, lost you know country Whatever, music right. style. Mm-hmm. Or on the other side, you come home and you're like the top. Like yeah. yeah. And Bobby Tom, your Bobby Tom Denton, Bobby returning, Tom returning to heaven, Texas. Exactly. You're like, I'm bringing in a movie to my town. That's how great I am. Exactly. <laughs> I got you. And you either, and then the Y axis, the up and down axis, for those of you playing along at home, at the top, it says someone new, and at the bottom, it says someone old, right? Meaning, so this, at the way bottom, it's like, the my ex-wife, like the girl I bullied in my high, high school, school sweetheart. Right. Exactly. Like the person, this is the match. The someone new, someone old is who you oh, fall in it. love with. Right. Got or it. at the top, it's like, oh, there's just a nice new person in this town. A who, cupcake baker. Right. Exactly. And Got then it. but then I think the Z axis, and I couldn't figure out how to visualize it because I'm not a math person, but I did star them, is what I'm referring to as the vengeance factor. <laughs> Maybe that's just a coefficient. Uh (laughs) Meaning. You just put it in front. In some cases, the love part is tied up in like some real trying to prove, like having to stick it to somebody who was mean to you, like back in the day. So often the vengeance factor happens, you know, it it happens in in, in all of the quadrants. So this is my thing. And as we play along, I have colored pens and we're going to plot them and then we'll... All right, and I like love it. vengeance. I love you vengeance. You do love vengeance. That's, yeah. So what I'm talking about here is like, in my perfect world, this book looks like the vengeance factor is applied in the following way. <laughs> Person comes back triumphant and decides that they are going to use their triumphant new identity to punish either the actual other main character or the other main character's father slash brother slash family. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Oh my god, like Joanna Shoup. Like, um, yes. What is it? Prince? Is it Prince of Broadway? Or Prince is it? of Broadway? Is it yeah, Prince yeah. of Broadway? Yeah. And so, like, they return to the hometown. Well, I mean, for me, the 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 book that isn't far in this case, the lower, the furthest in the lower right hand corner, uh, is again the magic. Lisa oh, Chloe yeah. is again the magic, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Perfect. And, this, and now I will tell you, I actually have, a, again, the magic, the A plot and the B plot on this. And this proves, that I have a whole theory that this proves Lisa Kleypas is genius because, again, the magic A plot is down here and the B plot is up here. Here's my, what's really interesting so about Sarah's little graph, okay, is that everything is going 
from like the top to the bottom in one way. And then there's two quadrants that are basically empty. Yeah, I, but this is my own problem, I think. Yeah, so what are the <laughs> quadrants? Decent people up here. Just decent people falling decent in love. Decent people falling in love, not interested in. Okay. And then what's the other one? Possibly oh, decent people falling in love down here, but oh, okay. I can't. Fair. Okay. <laughs> Right? Like, I just, does that make sense? It like, does. it's not no. like the books are evenly, oh, look, there like, is like a straight I'm line through it to the my supper. therapist. This is, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to be like, I masked my problem. <laughs> here, here it is. Wow. Okay. I like it. So, but like, ain't she sweet lives down there too? Like, the hero is sent away, like, in absolute shame by the heroine accusing him of um, sexual misconduct. He's her teacher, her English teacher, and she, wants to punish him because he gives her a bad grade. He leaves. He writes this, like, mega hit of a book, returns to town, and then just, like, shames her. And then they There's fall in love. There's a book that wouldn't get written today. Tell you what. No. Oh, no. Man. But Sugar Beth is, like, she deserves it. She's terrible at the beginning. I mean, that's Susan yeah. Elizabeth Phillips, you know. It, it's a professional driver on a closed course. Yeah. But right. that has a vengeance star, too. The vengeance, vengeance coefficient. What's interesting, Sarah, is okay. I'm gonna. I think I'm right. No, but, you discuss, know, sometimes yes. I say things. Yeah, is uh, in this case, I'm not necessarily interested in the vengeance going towards like the main character, right? So, for example, one of my favorites mm. is we have this the Jeannie Chin book that I put. I think it's Return to Cherry Blossom Way. Yeah, and the vengeance for her is to the. Like, the people that were so terrible to her in high school. And this boyfriend was sort of collateral damage. Like, she's like, I can't stay here. They're so terrible to me. And then she leaves and he stays. And so it's like her... So it's, you know, it's not really like vengeance towards him. It's more like these people were terrible to me. And I cannot be here again without, like, sort of telling them that, right? Yeah. Well, that's allowed, too. You can just be mad at other people. Other people. It doesn't... Okay. And just, like fall for it. So see, it's that's a low vengeance. High, low, vengeance. low vengeance. High triumph. High old. So old. I feel like the I feel like the ones I've brought to talk about are not vengeance. Really. Not vengeancy. No, well, I mean, well one of them, one of them yeah. yeah. Ain't she sweet is kind of like your you bring it up all the time and I'm bringing up Heaven Texas. Yeah. And I think the thing that's really interesting about Heaven Texas is that Bobby Tom has really been taken advantage of by the town. Uh-huh. And it's Gracie who realizes it. Yeah. And so it's like she's the one who's like, you don't owe these people you. Uh-huh. And he can't figure, you know, his homecoming is, you know, this is the place he's always been the most comfortable and the most happy. He thinks it's the most perfect place in the world. And he has to face, actually, that it's not. And I think that's one of the reasons it's one of my favorite in this way is the reckoning isn't really with him. The reckoning the reckoning is with, you know, like, when a small town sends off their, like, golden child to the yes. NFL and he makes good, who owns him, right? right? Oh, and I love that in a romance, like— Oh, I love when that. When one yeah. of the characters, like, defends the other characters. Oh. You know, either 100%. against their family or the town. Yeah. That's uh-huh. that's the good stuff right but there. But see, in yeah, that case, that book, Having Texas, can only really work because Gracie is new. Yes. Right? Like, 100%. Yes. Bobby Tom is someone else for her than he is for everyone else. And she can see the things that he, that no one there, including yeah. him, can, right? Like he, Exactly. She's the outsider who's like, this isn't actually good for you. Yeah. Yeah. See? 
And I love it. I love this. Yeah. So, I wish we had a whiteboard. I will say, I'm not like a sociopath. They're not all vengeance related, but I do like revenge. Yeah. But obviously your mind is going there. <laughs> I mean, or- only some of them are starred. <laughs> only some of them. <laughs> I also plotted Georgie, though. I feel like we could plot Georgie, maybe, on this. And I have a theory, but I would like to hear where you all fall. I mean, there's no vengeance plot. No, there's no. And and I want to say, everyone, calm down. X and Y are... Right. No vengeance. I I haven't drawn the vengeance thing. It's just here in the corner. (laughs) There is no vengeance. But there is, but there's this like defeated triumphant thing, which is really interesting yeah, to me because interesting. I do think that that is the continuum of how people come home, and in in homecoming romances. And I think that in Georgie, part well, part of why I love your book so much, Kate, is because there's never it's never easy. Like it's never right. a plot. It's not like you can be like, well, she's definitely here on this coefficient, yeah. right? Um, the I don't even know if that's the right word, but she. My point is that I think Georgie would say she is on one. Like, somewhere very different on this line than I, as a reader, would put her. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's really fascinating to me. Like, because that's that's part of her growth is realizing, like, oh, I'm not defeated. Like, I'm not. Right. Yeah, I, th- I think part of what the book is interested in doing and, like, you know, hopefully when people read this, you know, hopefully they've kind of seen it uh even even without me saying it but of course like I think part of what the book is doing is <clears throat> challenging some of the things our society treats as defeat mm-hmm. um yeah like being out of a job right yeah or, right yeah or just um but also returning home yeah, yeah and like being a career-minded person in general yeah and, right um I think it, right I think it um in in some ways it does try to like push back on that narrative of like what does it mean to be seen as defeated and maybe like reject the that narrative um and what does it mean to like be very successful like there are people in the book who are very successful by kind of every current societal standard we have um and like think differently about about that type of success too so yeah the book is interested in that it's funny because I was a pretty early reader for the book. And at one point, I, like, remember circling that Levi had thought about the word, like, career. Yeah. And I remember being like, I don't think he thinks about the word career. Yeah, he has this He has this line in the book. It's, like, one of my favorite lines that I wrote in the book. And, like, I don't think I'm spoiling anything. But Georgie and, and he and Georgie are having a conversation. And she says something about, like... um getting a job and she says you know like i can have this kind of job if i want it and he he sort of thinks to himself what's work got to do with wanting and he just sort of thinks like that's like i don't know what you're saying right like um i i think that's kind of an interesting thing that i wanted to i guess i just wanted to explore like the notion of two people who feel like outcasts and Uh like yeah what does it mean for those two people to like use their outcast status to kind of question everything about the society that they live in. It's so good, everybody. You're going to love it. I hope you took off yesterday and read it. <laughs> but we, can we also just add one thing that I don't think we, we've, we've really like unpacked all of the like thematic stuff, <laughs> but can I just talk, can we talk a little bit about the whole, the, the relationship, how Levi gets into the mix here, mm. which I think is a real <laughs> delight. It's, I mean, it's, 
it's such a charming setup, which is uh, when Georgie was young, she had a huge crush on Levi's brother. Levi's younger brother. In this book, the friend fic, there is a lot of reference to this beautiful, perfect Perfect. younger brother of Levi. And it never occurred to Georgie at age whatever, 12 or 13, that... Sure. Levi might be a reasonable person in the yeah. world. And now she is back. Yeah. And it's not the golden boy who is compelling. It's Levi and his adorable dog. That's Levi and Hank, his dog. Uh. Um, <laughs> yeah, Levi is like, I, I would say, I know a lot of readers really love Aiden from Luck of the Draw. And I would say Levi is the closest. Uh-huh. I think that's Aiden true. I that's have written. Um, Yes, I would agree with that. Yes. He's very uh, tough on the outside, but a big softy on the inside. That's really my favorite kind. This week's episode is sponsored by Love Sweet Arrow, a romance bookstore in Chicago, Illinois, where <laughs> Jennifer lives. Very exciting, everybody. So Love Sweet Arrow is the second brick-and-mortar romance bookstore in the U.S., and it's located in the south suburbs. Um, you can get there by train or car. It's like a super cute little store. And they have all sorts of, of course, amazing romances. The whole front room is new. And then they have used romances in the back. Um, but if you are not lucky enough to be close enough to visit, then what you can do is check out their website where they have surprise subscription boxes. And one of my favorite things, of course, I think we all love signed books. So right now you can look at at their pre-order campaigns, and they have two that I think our readers will really be interested in, which is um, Heated Rivalry by Rachel Reed is a hockey romance Mm. everyone loves, and there's a paperback coming out. And then the other one is Melanie Johnson, who's a local Chicago author, has her newest rom-com, Too Wrong to Be Right, coming out. So um, if you cannot visit Love Sweet Arrow in person, then you can totally check out their website for really cute romance gifts, attire, just all the fun romance stuff that you want. Love Sweet Arrow is owned by a mother-daughter team, Roseanne and Marissa Backlin. And this is my favorite thing about them because it's proof that... We learned love romance from the people who came before us, and I love seeing them together whenever I do see them together. So thanks to Love Sweet Arrow and the team there for sponsoring the episode. All right. So we each have some other homegoing romances, homecoming, homegoing. Let's talk about some ones we might recommend that people could read if they love Georgie. I brought three, but like one of those three is like multiple wrapped in one. My first one was like one that I read really recently because of Sarah's recommendation. Sarah was posting about it, I think, on her Instagram, and that's Angelia Lopez's After Hours on Malabro Street. Was that one of yours, too? I mean, I wasn't going to do yeah. go deep, but yes, you should go deep. I, I loved it because, I mean, I think it, um, as we've been talking, probably, like, what's emerged in our discussion is that, like, one thing we enjoy is, like, when the homecoming is very fraught, and th- this is a great example of that. It's like, Um, you know, the heroine comes home, um, because her grandmother is ill. It's like a very common sort of like homecoming setup. (laughs) And like, she knows she may need to help taking over this bar, uh, that her family has owned. Um, and there's someone new in the mix. There's a, uh, 
a professor in in their small town in the mix, um, and they sort of clash. But the homecoming is very fraught for all these different reasons. Like it's her reputation in that town. It is the town's um, like long history with um, racial discrimination. It is the town's long history with like. Um, class, uh, you know, like a big distinction among classes in the town. And I just, this book was able to do so much um, at the same time that it was like incredibly hot. Um, (laughs) And I just was really impressed by all the things this book was doing at once, including setting up like the future books in the series. Um, and I, I loved it. I just like, I found it so compelling. Um, I know both of you read it too. So, um, yeah, I mean, I it's loved great it too. I put it on the best of the year list and because I think it's, it's also just so sexy and there's so, and then I, and at the same time, I, I learned so much from this book, like yes. about the world, about America and how it, yeah how the West was built. I mean, it was, which, I mean, you don't always expect from a romance novel about yeah. a really sexy bartender and her sexy professor. <laughs> it was terrific. I, I loved it. Not her sexy professor. I mean, I her even uh, loved, ultimately sexy. I even loved, her. and this is like, this is a real achievement. There are like parts of the book where it describes like the drinks that are getting made or the foods food uh-huh. that was getting served uh-huh. at the bar that she takes over. And like, I was even compelled by that. And that's really saying a lot. That is. Normally, I'm like, let me just skip anything about <laughs> all about food. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if, if you had asked me if I like this trope, I I would not have said yes. Like, I just I just wouldn't have. And I think partly because I, I think it's now it's what I understand from Sarah is what I don't like is when they come home defeated. Yeah, that's interesting. That's interesting. And it's because I don't like people being defeated. And often it's a woman. I mean, I'm, this mm-hmm. is not a trope where a man comes home defeated, right? Uh-huh. And so I think that, you know, I mean, I've talked about a, how much I like a character backed into a corner. But that to me is very different than a character who has been defeated. And I think that's why it feels like, okay, if you're coming home defeated, then any choice to stay there feels like surrender. And I don't really like them to oh, feel that's that way either, right? And so I think one of the things that this has helped me realize is, like, the books that do work for me like this are, like, right, so I really love that Jeannie Chin book. And I was kind of like, I don't know why I love this. I do not love books where people go home. But she wasn't coming home defeated. Like, she had a job, and she was doing well, and she just needed to go see her family. And I think that it really has helped me understand, like, the difference is the starting point. Uh-huh. And so, you know, it's like, you know, then because then I was like, okay, no, there's like, I ended up looking up like small town romance on Goodreads. There's like literally a hundred pages of them. And I was like, what have I read? Right. Because sometimes I'm kind of like, and then I found some and I was like, well, I think that's it. It's like the common factor is the the situation under which they come home has to work for that's me. That's really fascinating. You know, like, I don't think there would be anything for me on that side of the graph. I don't, I don't want it. Right. And I think defeated looks different ways. So a book that I really like is called Beauty and the Baller by Ilsa Madden Mills. And I've maybe mentioned this book before, but Nova is the main character and she is coming home because 
her sister, her younger sister is like a junior or senior in high school, but their mother has died. And Nova does not want to go home. It's like Bluebell, Texas. And she, you know, this is not a place she ever wanted to go home. She's been in New York. She's, you know, doing all this stuff. I don't think she's necessarily having the greatest success there, but she's fine. But she realizes she cannot uproot her sister, right? And so her, the situation under which she's coming home is one where she has made a decision, right? Like, it doesn't have to be this way, but she's like, I'm going to prioritize my sister and her needs right now. And this is going to be like a couple years where I have to stay at home and, you know, move back into like the house and do all this stuff. And I think that that's probably why it works for me. And now what ends up happening is she, her next door neighbor is now the high school coach. And it turns out that he was in the NFL and they had had like a one night stand a couple years nice. before. I mean, so there's someone in town that she like unknowingly is really connected with. And, you know, she certainly has to grapple with like, who was I when I lived here in high school? And how can I like kind of make my peace with being here again? But it's never something where the reason, you know, the reason she's there is tragic, but not like, I have no other options, right? Yeah. She's the one who decides that. And I think, you know, it's also like a really fun book. I don't often find books really like funny. <laughs> and this book is not called like a rom-com, but there's a lot of like, I don't know, like a lot of banter. And I think that um, this author is one who, when her books work for me, like they really work. And Nova is just sort of like this screwball character, but who is like really hugely committed to taking care of her sister and like kind of providing like the structure and support she's going to need to kind of launch successfully into adulthood. And she does this in a way that's very um, like it's both selfless, but also matter of fact, like this is what anyone would do in this situation. So I just have to buckle down and do it. And I found that, that good. Yeah, I found that really admirable rather than okay. really like kind of like, oh, here we are starting with this like miserable woman in a miserable circumstance with no other choices. I that's that's not, I think, for me. Okay. Yeah. Jen, I don't think if we've ever talked about these books, we've never done an episode on these, but how do you feel about um <laughs> how do you feel about like home renovation romances? No. Okay, see, this is interesting to me because I feel like home renovation is often the thing that gets people home, like brings people yeah, home, not, right. not in I triumph or defeat, like maybe the middle a on the axis home renovation. Yeah. <laughs> or like Jill Shalvis's Lucky Harbor, which I have recently talked about on the podcast because yeah. I think it's like a textbook perfect yes. small town series. It's great, yeah. Um, like those three sisters inherit... They inherit an inn, or they inherit a, like, yep. and then, like, one falls for the contractor, one falls for the whatever. Like, I forget who all if this you, is. You can, if Look. you guys can see Jen's face. I know, right. like, <laughs> if the three of us inherited a ramshackle inn well, in the middle Kate of nowhere. Well, would obviously be in charge, because I would get bored, and you would be like, I'm not I coming. Would be like, I would be like, pull the plug, slice do everything the pie. For that. Like, like, sell it and split it in thirds. That's <laughs> the person. That's the the one I would be. Yeah, no, that yeah, sounds that might that actually to go back terrible. to what I said the beginning. That might be the circumstance that gets me to give up on y'all. <laughs> <laughs> I would not imagine? be your fated mate anymore. 
<laughs> yes, but it would be so easy because neither of us would negotiate at all on your choices. We'd just be like, great, whatever you want. We're so happy for you. That's true. You would spend like 18 hours like really thinking about the best light fixtures. And Sarah and I would just be like, yeah, sure, ma'am. Like, does, does it work? Like, <laughs> I don't know, I guess. What's a light fixture? No, Sarah would come in at like <laughs> like an hour before I was going to press buy. And she would be like, look at this chandelier, though. <laughs> <laughs> wow, drag me. <laughs> You'd be like, you would, you, now you know what my husband feels like whenever <laughs> we try to buy anything for this house. He's like, that's not energy efficient. That This has LEDs. <laughs> I will actually tell you a funny story, which is I was with my friend Elizabeth at Target and I I was when I bought a lamp and I brought it home and I put it out and she's like, so I just want to check. You just were able to like pick out a lamp and just do it. And I was like, I don't understand your question really. And she's like, you didn't have to like consult with Mr. Reed's romance and like have 93 con. And I just was looking at her like, what are you talking about? (laughs) We needed a lamp. So I procured one. (laughs) This isn't a discussable thing in my family. So you didn't think about how it fit in with your decor? No, I'm not really. That's not my. Well, let's never let's never inherit a a property together. together. Yeah, I I don't think there's like a super risk of that. Yeah. No. Maybe we have some listeners, Sarah. A listener is currently rearranging. I'm rewriting my will just to put these three ding-dongs in the worst possible scenario. I'm going to say, while we're on this topic, I'm going to say one of mine, which because it goes with this, because it is a home renovation romance. They're on that, uh, I don't know, what'd you call it? Axis? I'm not going (laughs) to. But, you know, like, for the last few years, um, four authors, so these are authors that write a lot. It's Maisie Yates. Jackie Ashenden, Caitlin Cruz, and Nicole Helm, um, who all... They know the job. Yeah, they all write across sort of subgenres in romance. And yeah, like people who really solidly know the job and they have like come together over the last few years to do these anthologies. Um, And I'm not going to be like good at remembering the names. Like one of them is, I think the first one is like Sweet Home Cowboy or something like that. Everybody knows that I love a cowboy romance. I love men who do, do chores. Um, but they usually are like the premise of them is like, you know, four half sisters that all inherit a property from their grandmother or something like that, right? Or four friends who agreed to come back to this town and to open like, up a bread and breakfast yeah, or whatever. Something, something like that, right? Like every anthology has been a premise like that. And like each novella in the anthology is just like, very tightly constructed. It hits the homecoming spot, right? Like, some of them meet someone new. Some of them, like, reconnect with somebody from their past. And they they all are just, like, really effective romances. And every time one has come out, I've picked it up. All right. I'm going to talk about revenge. No, it's not revenge. I'm not going to talk about revenge. <laughs> um, My first pick is... uh. One, it's the sixth in the Lily Everett Sanctuary Island series. Lily Everett also writes as uh, Louisa White, but she wrote a really beautiful home, um, not hometown, all that one, very beautiful, town romance. Um, but uh, 
This series is set on a small island off the coast of the Carolinas, and it's a horse sanctuary, and it's, like, beautiful and evocative and, like, great. And then also Louisa just has, like, this really just crisp way of writing very funny situations for characters who are really, like, just so authentic and real. Anyway, this book, Home at Last, is the sixth. You should read all of them, but it is the homecoming one. Marcus, the hero, left Sanctuary Island, I don't know, some number of years ago, like a while, six or eight years ago, after his mom died, and he has not been back since. And he uh, became, he like left and he became a body, like a professional bodyguard. And he's like gruff and quiet and big and mm, like it. You're selling it. You're selling it. (laughs) And then he's like, I need to, like something happens. And he decides like, I I can't do this kind of high stakes stuff anymore. Like, I'm just going to go home. So he goes home to Sanctuary Island um, but he, when he gets to her, he discovers that um, when, before he left, he had sort of broken the heart of this girl, Quinn, who they were, they were young. They were in their, you know, teen, late teens. And he was, they had like a, she had this like wicked crush on him. And they had one night or like a little bit of time and then he broke her heart. And when he gets back and he's ready to, like, start working the neighborhood bar and, like, reclaim part of his youth in this town or, like, his life in this town, he realizes the entire town hates him because they think that he broke Gwen's heart. Like, mm. just... Oh. And, and so he's like, not, did he not think it was that big of a deal? It, no, he knows. He, like, he had... And he had a thing for her, too, but he's, like... He was so broken, you guys, and, like, not a good person. Not yeah. Certainly not good enough for Quinn, who was amazing and mm-hmm. beautiful and, and fantastic. It. And so he really was just, like, he was doing the right thing by leaving Quinn. At least I'm going to buy this so? as soon as we get off this call. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're like, I love it. I love yeah, it I'm gonna already. With, I'm going to start with number one in the series, and I'm going to work <laughs> up to it. So basically, but it's so great because Quinn is kind of like, it's it's okay. Like, we... And everyone's like, it's not okay. (laughs) So there's this, like, again, big community feel here. And so she's like, listen, I have... He's like, nobody's nobody's even coming into the bar. Like, this whole small town has just, like, exited him. Oh, I love that. And so she's like, (laughs) I have an idea. Why don't we fake date for a little while? And she's like, in fact, it would help me because my mother has gone, like, off the deep end and she is convinced that my parents' relationship is very, like, unhealthy. And she has hired a relationship guru who <laughs> wants to do, like, like meditation retreat in the woods to, like, solve to, with them as a marriage counselor. And my mom wants me to go. And so, this like, is like it, a great little cocktail of tropes. It yeah. would just be better for me <laughs> if somebody was there with me because this is bananas. And Too it much. is fully bananas like there's a standing stone circle they have to burn stuff inside it and the whole time Quinn and Marcus are like this is crazy (laughs) and like so there's that sort of feel of a very sort of real feel of like it's them against the world but also like they've had a thing for each other from the beginning and who were they and who are they and how they grown and oh it's Oh, it's so good. I'm going to read it again. After talking about it with you, I'm going to like, read it this week. Amazing. So anyway, that's Lily Everett's Home at Last.
That sounds so good. I have two more I want to talk about. How many? I'm like, what's our numbers here? I guess I want to briefly mention The Road to Rosemen by Naima Simone. Because mm. now I would like to say, like, what's interesting about this book to me is this book is like, I would say I typically like my angst in a romance novel to be 37 out of 100. <laughs> and this is like 37,000 out of 100. Mm. So, well, it's Naima. It's Naima, and and but what I like about it, so Sydney is the main character, and she is pregnant, and she has decided that what she really needs to do is go back to Rosebend, which is the town she grew up in, because that's where she wants to raise her child, and thinks it's like really, it's like truly fascinating to me. I cannot think of another romance novel where, that has this in it. Is her ex husband is the one who is the father. They essentially had, I can't remember exactly, like, were in the process of getting a divorce, but kind of had, like, one of those nights, you know? And he really thinks, like, oh, well, you're going to come back to me now that you're pregnant. She's like, no, I'm not. Like, I, I'm really not. Like, our divorce, that is separate, right, from how I feel about being married to you. And so she goes back home really with her parents like not understanding this choice like kind of like wait your ex-husband who you're divorced is the father you know what I mean and she's like yeah this is what I want and like but back to my whole like it's really on her terms and she meets Coltrane who is um the mayor I think of Rosebend and also really dealing with his own feelings of guilt about the loss of his, like, wife and, I think, their child. So this is, I mean, angst factor 800 gazillion. I mean, I just, you know, and and I think, but that's the part that's really interesting is she is so strong and knows who she is, and he is someone who is really struggling with, like, how do I deal with this loss in my life, and is it even okay for me to try and move on? With what, you know, people in town are going to think, again, is like a ready-made family, right? Um, It's really, you know, Naima knows how to pull your, you know, I don't know, the, you know, the waterworks. But this was, I I mean, she must have been like channeling spirits or something when she wrote this (laughs) because it is super angsty. And and I, I think for the right reader... You are you are gonna love it, but it just definitely had that feeling. I I just really remember thinking like, this is interesting to me. Where someone's like, I know that I'm gonna have judgment, but this is where I want to raise my family because there's things about my childhood that, although they were imperfect, are the kinds of things I want my child to know. It was fascinating. Yeah, I really love that because sometimes it's like, sometimes it does feel like small town homecoming stories are where like low angst low angst kind of shines yeah that's Mm. really interesting that that's i mean that's like really subverting that yeah big time and also i will say and i think i was really trying here to go against type like his angsty feelings are the ones that are way bigger than hers right he's the emotional wrecking ball in the story yeah yeah well one of mine is i think this is like this is the last one i brought although now my brain is like pinging with other ones. But the last one I brought for today was like a book I read, uh, I think last year when it came out. And a lot, there's been a lot of talk about it online, but Kate Canterbury's In a Jam, which hit a lot of sweet spots for me. That's great. Yeah. I think um, there was like 
a, a quirkiness to some of the characters. So there's like a, a child in the romance, which like typically that is, it's like food and drink for me. I'll skip past <laughs> ending the trap. But this child is like a top-notch character, just a really foul-mouthed, um, hilarious, perfect uh, kid. And um, the, you know, like the premise is like, Shay, the heroine, inherits this tulip farm. She's got to get married. It's a lot of romance reasons for the setup. Um, but the the hero um, has loved her for a long time, right? Like loved her when they were in high school together mm-hmm. and she never really got it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but he has sort of carried a torch for her all this time. Uh, and now he runs this farm. He makes jam. He's delicious. <laughs> the thing I really, I mean, I loved a lot about this romance. I loved like the small town atmosphere. I loved her kind of um, discovery of herself in this town that she has sort of complicated feelings for. But one of the things I really loved about it is that like it was a very, um, it was a really tactile romance. Yeah. And what I mean is that like she lets those characters touch. Um, and it's, you know, like she lingers on those touches, you know, like he puts a hand on her back and Kate Canterbury is going to describe how it feels. Right. Uh And it just feels like that book sinks into romance in a way that I think, I think sometimes we're missing. Um, she, she really dwells on those moments and i love that book i thought it was really romantic i thought it was really engaging um and it's i think it'll be a comfort read for me i love it sarah do you have more i have one i do i have lots more all right so i want to talk about a lot like adios oh yeah oh yeah Um, because i think that's so i that's a great one yeah so my 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 most full quadrant is they return triumphant and then end up with someone old, (laughs) someone who, like, they've known forever. And I think, I don't know what that says about me, but it just is, that's the one I like the best, I think. Um, And so, and this is, this is that sort of, of, it's, it's sort of that. Um, But also, I think it really speaks to what we were talking about before with, with, um, you know, again, community, but also the hero has a really interesting arc here. And I, so the premise of this, I don't think we've talked that much about this book actually on the podcast. We did, and you had me at Ola um, Deep Dive. And, um, but the hero and heroine of this book were best friends when they were growing up. And like, so close that they, I mean, they, they actually had a friend, they had a friend fic. They, wrote fanfic back That's and right. forth they between did. each other. Actually, yeah. so look, this is so appropriate. I had mm-hmm. intended this the whole time. <laughs> and then um and so Gabe, they're both from immigrant families. We know Michelle from she is one of the three heroines of this series that um the Primas of Power series that um Alexis is currently writing. Uh she um leaves to or no i'm sorry so he leaves his family and he moves to los angeles it's all set in the bronx he moves to los angeles he becomes a like celebrity he runs celebrity gyms right like he's like a trainer oh mm-hmm. 
Um, and then the his partner is like, well, you're from New York, and there are also celebrities in New York, and so what if we open, like, a gym there? Uh, do you know, we need somebody who's, like, good at marketing, and Michelle is, like, a superior, she's, like, a, a, ma- a great marketer. And so Gabe is like, okay, well, I can call this person who I know, um, but uh, we kind of, I left on, like, not great terms. Like, I wanted to get out and, like, do something and be somebody outside of my family and, like, the world that I had grown up in. And I left her there, and we haven't talked since. And Michelle feels really resentful about this. Like, we were, we were, it was us. Like, we were Mm -hmm. friends. Um, So he calls her, and she says, she makes a deal with him that she's like, I'll do it, but you have to stay with me, and we have to work out, like, what happened between us all those, you know, many years ago. So, I mean, it's forced proximity a little. It's like a, a little, like dash of force pro- force proximity in there because they they are living there and he is essentially staying with her but one of the things that i think alexis does so well in all of her books um is sort of paint the picture of how complex families are and in this pre- case particularly like immigrant families like the first generation of the american like of an american kid in an immigrant family because um you know, there is a big push-pull. Gabe, Gabe's family is pissed that he yeah. has left. He has left them in New York, and he's moved to L.A., and he's made a life for himself there. And he's been incredibly successful. Returns triumphant, yes. right? Um, but, like, at the same time, it feels like such a betrayal to them, and he has to reckon with who he is in relationship to his family. And one of the things that I think we see in Levi, too, in Georgie All Along, is this— and. I don't know, maybe I'm thinking a lot about this because it's January and we've just come through the holidays, but this question of, like, who you are to your family seems to never change. Yeah. Even now, right? Like, I'm 40, in my 40s, and it's not important how far into my 40s I am, but, like, (laughs) I'm in my 40s, and still this, like, over the holidays, I had a holiday with my mom and my sister and my brother, and, like, we all fell into... Old the roles, yeah, you know, and so, and I think Alexis senses this so keenly in all of her books and her writing. It, it just, it's so sharp when it comes to that. And then also, it's just bananas, sexy. Yeah, I love this one. I also love it because I like that it. The coming home is not to a small town here, right? It's right to the city, it's to a big city where there is a rich community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. Um, I have another one, and I know I've talked about this book before, but, like, you know how some books you just love and you're like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, it is Sophie and Jordan's Fury on Fire. Oh, yeah. I love that series so much. Yeah. I don't know if it really qualifies, but it does to me because North Callahan is being released from jail, and he is going back home to the town that thinks he is a criminal. Yeah, that's a homecoming, I'd say. Yeah, right? That counts. (laughs) And I think that's part of the reason that I really like it is his whole vibe is basically like, fuck these people, right? Like, I don't need your acceptance. I don't need you. I don't need your approval. I don't need anything. But I live here, and I'm from here, and I'm coming back here. So it's like bursting back into town with every chip you could have on your shoulder, right? And um, 
I and I really think that I I love that a lot, right? Like there's so there's something about that because of course I guess this would in normal cases maybe see like defeated, but he's not. He's just like, I know what I did and why I did it. And it doesn't matter to me what you people think. And of Arthur. course, who he ends up falling in love with is his next door neighbor. It's like a duplex, right? So she lives next door, Faith Walters. And I think her brother is the sheriff or her dad was the sheriff, right? Of course. Of yeah, course. It have to be. Of course. Yeah. And, you know, she is, she was younger, doesn't really know who he was, isn't like sort of caught up in that, that sort of story about who he was. But she is also the only one willing to kind of accept him for who he is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, this whole series, I think, really plays around with this, like what happens when you are are coming home from prison, essentially. And, it, you know, it's not too far away. I think it's like an hour, an hour and a half away. But, um, you know, you might as well be a you know, at a different solar system for, like, the experience you've had. And I really, really, really loved this series. But this book in particular is the one that I that I reread a lot because I think that it's that perfect mix of, like, I'm home on my own terms and it, I don't care what you people think. And And, you know, and she is, like, has been the town's, like, golden child, right, in some ways her entire life. And so to take up with this man who is a pariah in the town and to champion him is a journey for her, too. And I, I thought it was great. I, I love, love it. I love that book. As you know, all my TDR stacking up. Yeah, well, that's the job. Mm-hmm. Now, I, like Sarah, probably have, like, a bunch that I can just mention. Yeah, I do want to talk about historicals. I was yeah. going to say a yeah. historical too. Yeah. Uh, well, go ahead. Do you ha- you have one? Kate? Yeah, I was going to say. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of Julianne Long. Um, oh yeah, who I think is a really beautiful writer. Um, she's writing a series right now. It's it's called The Grand Palace on the Thames. Um, but her previous series, the the Penny Royal Green series, her previous historical series. It was like a very long running series about these two families. Um, that, you know, are the two families are kind of at odds and both families have bu- like a bunch of children. So the series is very long. Some of the, um, you know, they all sort of overlap in various ways. But from the very beginning of the series, there is talk of the love story between um, Olivia Eversee and Lion Redmond and the whole entire series um references references them in various ways the fact that lion redmond left and olivia has sort of she's not like been in mourning but she i mean she was devastated by him leaving um and like is lion ever going to come back all this stuff and the series sort of culminates in his coming back and it's the title of the book is the legend of lion redmond which is like it's a great title. The perfect title for this conclusion to this series. It also uh-huh. has this, like, beautiful cover with um, the, the two of them are embracing on the front. She's wearing this beautiful red dress. Anyway, this, I mean, I just think that that book is really interesting, primarily for how it built through, like, over the course of, like, a dozen books. I just think it's very fascinating how she built to that homecoming uh, story. 
So I think that's an interesting one to think about for that theme. Yeah. I think historicals do this in really interesting ways. I mean, obviously, this is where vengeance often comes in. Like, Mm. I myself have written a homecoming—have, like, uh, the rogue not take it. No. Sorry. A rogue by any other name is a homecoming book, right? Where— yeah. And it's about vengeance. I mean, uh-huh. it's about getting your inheritance back and, like, ruining the man who ruined you. Um, and so that's probably where, like, my like, absolute love of the vengeance, you know, factor comes in. Um, I want to name-check Gorilla Twins, which we recently <laughs> talked the about on the yeah, Twins yeah. episode. The Earl Takes All is a ro- is a, a homecoming romance. He literally begins with the hero looking, looking at the obituary, like, at the obituary of his yeah. own, of about himself and how yeah. everybody hated him. Um, so again, that sort of immediate reckoning of who you are, who you were versus who you might become, who you might be. Yeah. I was going to add, I think the other thing that's interesting and historical is that sometimes what pulls you back is responsibility. Like you have some sort of responsibility you have to take care yes. of. Mm-hmm. So one of my favorites is um, It Takes Two to Tumble by Cat Sebastian. Mm-hmm. Where oh, he, yeah, yeah that's he a good is, one. Yeah, he's like it's like a um a kind of a loose retelling of um what's the one Julie Andrews and the Hills are alive. Oh, the sound of music. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like oh yeah, that's the one. Um he's a a ship's captain, but his yeah. kids are like running feral in the streets of the town. I love and it. the local vicar is taking care of them and he you know, comes home and he's basically like, look, all I want to do is get back to my ship. But then it's like, no, all he wants to do is stick around and hang out with Ben Sedgwick. Yeah. He's <laughs> yeah. such a good writer. Oh, yeah, it's great. It's great. I love a, sh- I love a ship captain. <laughs> of course. But, I mean, it's responsibility, right? Like, yeah. he and the being torn between, like, family responsibility and then, like, professional responsibility. Yeah. It's so great. Yeah. yeah. Or, like, when home comes to you. In a lot of cases, oh, right? Yeah. Responsibility. It's sort of yes. Um, it's on your like door. Um, that Diana Quincy book with the with the twins who you know uh, the Duke who ravished me, and like it begins with him like having an orgy in his giant palace as a duke, like no cares, no yeah. responsibilities, and then boom, there are eight year old twins on the doorstep and their and their governess, like home comes to you um i do just want to i know people are always asking about medievals they're always and i know that some of you out there like have been asking about guardian ward and i want to name check um uh the arrow by monica mccarthy where he is uh one of the great warriors of robert the bruce when monica came up with this series she came up with it as like navy seals but make it medieval so if that sounds like your kind of thing yeah that series is awesome series for you um he is one of the good audio book by the way it's good on oh really yeah that's good to know yeah i listened to it on audio so the arrow he's a marksman a shooter he you know has a bow and uh and uh, he has a, a ward. I mean, he, they never interact at all. And he comes home finally from war because he's been seen. Like, now, now people are—he's war—he has, has to basically go into hiding because now people can identify him. Um, and he arrives home, and his ward is no longer the mm. kid he left behind. She's, like, a real beautiful woman, and she— wants him like if you love a romance and i think medievals particularly medievals really land this concept like 
she sets her eyes for the hero, the hero, yeah. and just goes mm-hmm. for him. And he's like, "What?" I mean, he just he. I mean, yeah, he's lost from the start. But there's a lot of like, I can't, I can't here. Even though everybody's overage, this is not. This book was written at a time when, yeah, sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. not, this is not from the 80s. Mm-hmm. It is safe in that sense. Um, I have lots of others. I just want to name check Taking the Heat, which we did a yes. deep dive on. Oh, yeah. In That's the second a great season one. by Victoria Dahl, mm-hmm. where the heroine comes home from New York City to a small town in Idaho, Wyoming. Wyoming. Somewhere there. One or the other. Sorry, guys, if you live out there. I, I love you. Um, <laughs> and the hero... Is a library. That's Conolingus Gabe, everyone. Yeah. Yeah. There is a, that whole series. There's another one. I think the second one in that series is like flirting with disaster. Is like that the artist? The, yeah. The, it's a, the, the medical textbook. Where there's one where she like really wanted to leave and then couldn't. And I mean, I think like that whole series plays around with like this little town yeah. and what it's yeah. like to live there, like to leave or stay. So, right. Yeah. I also think Beach Read falls into this category. Sure. After it. For those of you who haven't, for the, you know, 15 of you who haven't read Beach Read, it will, it will fall into that category for you. The heroine uh, has to go. She doesn't go home to her home home. She goes home to a house where it, her father's died. And she goes home to a house on a lake where she and her father had, like, had a, had many memories and discovers that her father has had another, a whole other family or a whole other relationship with a woman who's not her mother. And so there's a lot of, but at the same time, balls for the neighbor. It's very, I mean, it's a delight. I love to be treated. And then The Bollywood Bride is also on my list. Oh, a okay. great one. Yeah. That's yeah. a great one. <laughs> Sonali Dev. I, I was here like, what? What do I pick? The Bollywood Bride, Sonali Dev's, uh, one of her early, early books, um, the heroine. Her first, Grew right? up in Chicago. And then it, it moves to India and becomes a Bollywood star. Um, and Huge leaves, angst. Yeah, um, leaves behind yeah. Um, a boy who, like, this very sweet boy who, like, the, she he was her first love when they were young. And she comes back for her cousin's she, wedding in Chicago. And she is the biggest star in Bollywood. And... um Oh, uh, yeah, so much angst about yes, so know, why she feels she can't be with somebody. Mm-hmm. How uh, he's so patient with, like, I love a hero who is just so patient as the heroine works through her stuff. And I really, really love that book. It's my favorite of Sonali's books, I think. Uh-oh. There's one more I wanted to shout out, which is Delilah Green Doesn't Care by Ashley Herring Blake. Mm-hmm. I this is like your force back home. Like you can't I can't avoid well, it any that longer. Also a, a renovation. Um, it's a wedding. Oh no, the next one is a renovation. So you know, um, <laughs> sure. Like, no. I was like, <laughs> it's a wedding, but That's... okay. Delilah is a photographer. Her like half sister or stepsister, I can't remember, is get Astrid is getting married, and has essentially like. At the beginning of this of the book is like calls her up and is like kind of telling me tell me you're coming, 
And Delilah's like, kind of like, what is she talking about? Well, she's talking about the fact that she has contracted with Delilah to come and be her photographer for, like, the two weeks that is, like, setting up the wedding and all the wedding events and stuff. She just does not want to go and is really convinced that, like, she's just going to have a miserable time and this is, you know, she really has no other choice and the money's good, so she kind of really can't avoid it. And then she falls in love with one of the her Astrid's bridesmaids, um, this woman, Claire, who is someone she didn't know when they were younger, but now they're seeing each other in a new way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's Astrid Parker Doesn't Fail is the second book in that series. Uh, and that's a renovation. And it's a renovation book. <laughs> Good luck, everyone. I support you. <laughs> well, listen, I think we really did the job here. I mean, wow. We covered it. <laughs> Uh, tell us your favorites, everyone. Uh, we want I want to hear about your homecoming romances with or without vengeance. We're going to put a blank template of Sarah's graph in order to, for our consideration, please mm-hmm. put it in the right yeah. place with the vengeance factor marked. <laughs> yeah, I also want to know if anyone had like a real life homecoming romance. Mm. Oh, yeah. Like they Tell went us. home and like, and it was yeah, Thanksgiving, they, and you were in a bar, and that boy from yeah. high school. Yeah, listen, that's the dream for many. <laughs> um, uh, Kate Claiborne, Georgie, all along is out right now. Like oh stores everywhere. We love it, and we love you. Um, and. Friday night, you and I are going to be together at last, together (laughs) at last in person at East City Books in Washington, D.C., our nation's capital. Uh And we will be talking about Georgie a lot and having a great time. Um, Tickets for the in-person event are sold out, um, but you can buy tickets and see it virtually and join us. And we love that. And you can buy, you can... Buy copies of Georgie signed from East City. Kate will sign them that night. I'm going to place my order right now. I'm so excited. I'm going to leave a long thing about how you have to sign it to be your dear Jennifer. <laughs> I look forward to our home renovation project. Yes, that's right. <laughs> I can't wait till we inherit a bed breakfast together. Because <laughs> I know all you want to do is sell your third to me. Thank you. <laughs> this was Fate of Mates for the week. Thanks so much to Kate Claiborne for joining us. We love Kate. We love Georgie all along. Don't forget to snatch that up wherever you read your books. I'm Sarah McLean. I'm here with my friend Jen Prokop. We love romance novels, and we are so grateful to Lillian Lark and Love's Sweet Arrow, a Chicago romance bookstore, for sponsoring the episode this week. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Thanks, All right, everyone. love you guys. <laughs>